Well, hello and welcome back to the Reigning in Ray podcast. This is the podcast for you, the listener, determine what we talk about and what direction we go. We're going to be answering your questions, and sitting here with me to do just that is the one, the only, the legendary Ray Jewel. <laughs> the legendary, like Casey at the bat or something like yes. that. That's strikeout all Because the time. you are as old as all of those favorites. I suppose. Yeah. But I feel that old some days. All right, so we've we got a, a couple of questions here. We're going to wrap this up with. This is actually uh, we're going to play some inside baseball here, some behind the scenes look at uh, what we do at Raining and Ray. Um, you know, we sprinkle these. We try to do about one a month, but uh, we've been sitting here. This is the third one we've recorded in a row because we have so many good questions. Yeah, we did have um, a lot of good questions. So we're going to jump right in here with a question from our friend Tad Carlson. Uh, Tad, a fellow history teacher, mm-hmm. um, a um, a fris- not frisbee disc golf disc golf uh, enthusiast, uh, professional almost. Yeah, I mean, he's practically, been winning, he's been winning uh, tournaments. He's been stuff. racking the wins up, and I accept him as my son-in-law. Yes, yeah, so let's say he's he's married to Miranda Carlson, who's my former student and basically your former adopted daughter well practically basically still lives yeah yeah and so <laughs> um, good to see her very often. we appreciate tad and miranda and little baby yeah kenny. kenny kenny and uh, i know he's had his health issues mm-hmm. um but doing, i doing fine no yeah and i know miranda's been a great mom in that and i really enjoyed reading their facebook posts and twitter yep. posts on all these anyway he has, so he has a question tad gets into a really good question are churches slash private individuals doing enough to care for that widows and orphans? This is a reference to Second Timothy. Mm-hmm. Uh, if was it First Timothy? Nine. Uh, anyway, if not, why not? And follow up. If churches slash private individuals are not doing enough, should dun 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 the government step in? <laughs> um, let me take this and say no. Um, I don't believe churches and individuals are, are doing enough um, as a whole. There are certain churches that are. Um, I think there are some churches who are doing great with this, but I would say the majority don't. I remember growing up in a church where we were taught welfare, government-handed welfare is terrible. It's destroying mm-hmm. the family. That's not the job of the government. It's the job of the church. Yeah, well, but wasn't no, the church doing it? <laughs> that's the problem. No one yeah. ever asked that next question. Okay, well, what are we doing? Yeah. Because whenever we saw someone who was down on their luck or someone who was impoverished, we'd say, well, they must be lazy. Get a job, bum. Um, and so, yeah, there is, I don't think churches are doing enough. And, you know, when it comes to orphans, you know, that's, that's my passion here with, with adoption. We've adopted four boys. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I love the church I was in at Rockford because we really did emphasize that. We had many adoptive families. In fact, even at the church I'm at now, we just found another adoptive family. Um, and in faith community, we have several who have adopted, cool. um, taken in these orphans. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think reaching out to the impoverished in general is, a, is an area the church has not done well in. Specifically, conservative evangelical churches. Well, right. Because they want to look at it as that's the government's job, or which I don't know. How can you even think that when you read through Scripture, the Old Testament and the New Testament, how God cares for the poor? 
the disadvantaged, uh, the weak, um, you know, the widows and orphans. I mean, pure religion is this, that you care for widows and orphans. Right. I mean... Oh, you just said a bad word. You said religion. Uh-huh. Well, that's... By the way, I looked it up in every single major Bible translation where religion is used in that verse. Yeah. Just throwing that out. Yeah. For those who say, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. Well, uh, actually, it's both. Yeah, we, we've had that discussion yeah. before. <laughs> Drives me nuts. Oh, me too. Me too. <coughs> so, um, in scripture, um, we, I, I do want to preface what I'm saying in, in, in that I do believe there is a place for personal responsibility. Um, right. It's not just a blanket. Anyone who wants help from the church should get it. No, I, I don't believe that. Um, and I say that because I go back to where we get this idea of widows from. Because uh, Paul makes a distinction between widows and true widows mm -hmm. and basically a true widow is one who is older and has no other means of taking care of herself um, and so yes Paul says we need to take the church needs to take care of them. however um, there are widows who said no it's not the church's job to do this they should be taken care of by their families mm -hmm. um, if they have a family the family is responsible for them and if um, this woman can take care of herself, then she needs to take care of herself by other means. Um, and I'm talking, yeah, it's First Timothy. Um, says here, um, but if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness in their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of, of God. She who is, true, who, who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplication and prayers and days and nights. Uh, but she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. So there is a... Com the, I, I think... I, I don't think it's automatically the job of the church to take care of everybody. Mm -hmm. um, but certainly there are people within their influence that they should be taken care of. And I don't think the church has a great job of that right. um, as a whole. But I think there are individual churches that do. What's interesting about what Paul does there in First Timothy, I mean, the, these women who are younger and much more influenced by false teachers, according to that, that book, that's one of the reasons why they need to be taken care of by somebody so they're, they're, they're also being taught. So I think as much as there's a responsibility to take care of their physical needs. There's also that responsibility to take, help take care of their spiritual needs. Yeah. And so the final part of that, should the government step in? If the church is not doing its job, in church and including private individuals, they're not doing their job, should the government step in? The conservative in me wants to say no. <laughs> it's not the joke. But somebody has to do something. I'm not going to let people starve just because the church isn't doing its job. Right. Um, and so, or, or families aren't doing their job. And so uh, I do think I have seen, you know, I'll just be blunt. You know, when I grew up, my dad never had a job. We lived off of welfare for quite some time. Um, and he did grow dependent upon that, and it forced him not to work. Mm -hmm. He didn't get a job until finally we had some reforms. Uh in, in Massachusetts government where, yeah, you had to work in order to do this, and so that's what caused him to get off the couch and do that. So um, I do see dependency as a 
issue as a problem. Um, but there are people who, for legitimate reasons, cannot work. And if no one else is there to take care of them, I, I'd rather the government step in than, the, than just see them waste away. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, wanna, I, I don't want to sacrifice uh, the impoverished on my conservative values. Yeah. So, um, yes, I think there is a role for the government. Should there be, in my opinion, probably not. But because I do also believe in the depravity of man, um, I know man doesn't do what he should do. And so, yeah, I think there is a role for government involvement, though I wish there wasn't, but there certainly is one. And I don't, again, I'm not going to sacrifice the well-being and the uh, lives of impoverished people just because I have an opinion. Mm -hmm. So, All right, next question. Uh, back to Kirby. You've asked, uh, we got one of your questions a couple weeks ago, but... What is a good way or place to start when you have a new ministry you want to launch? Oh, um, well, first of all, I would go uh, go to the leadership of the church where yes. you are uh, attending. Uh, talk to them about what it is you want to do, what uh, you're going to need to get that accomplished. Uh, is it going to will it need financial help? Will it need volunteer help? Will it need somebody uh, else involved in the leadership? I mean, if I come up with an idea for a, a ministry in my church, uh, I would expect the leadership to ask me, so who's going to lead this? Are you yeah. going to lead this? Or do we need to help you find somebody else who would have a similar interest? And... You know, it's like right now, at Roxbury, uh, one of the ladies, uh, she and her husband just started coming there a few years ago, and I'm members now, but she, you know, she missed having a choir. And she used to be a choir director, excuse me, choir director at a church that they used to go to. And, and uh, you know, she announced it, and, you know, now we've got a choir. Uh, 15 people showed up for the first rehearsal. I think she's approaching it well. I mean, you know, back in the day, choir rehearsal was typically Wednesday night, and the choir would pretty much sing every Sunday morning. She's, you know, planning on four uh, specials during the year, and like two or three rehearsals for each of those times that they'd be the choir would be singing. I mean, I'm overjoyed with it. I, I miss, I miss, being, choirs, I miss yeah. being in a choir. And I don't miss being in a choir. I miss right, listening to a choir. But, you know, it's you don't just, want me in your choir. No, I, I know that. I don't even want you in my quartet. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, uh, you know, so Kirby, it, yeah, it's just a matter of asking, doing your research before you go talk to them, have it out, you know, thought out. This is, this is why we need this ministry. This is how we're going to go about doing this. This is the kind of money that I might need to get this accomplished. Here's some people who are going to be a part of this with me. Uh, we would be answerable to, you know, if you have a church that has multiple staff, you know, or maybe an elder that is in charge of that particular general area, you know, this. So it's, it's 
I wouldn't say it's a full-blown business plan, but it's something along that line. Yeah, and I would start with the pastor, number one, because sometimes, um, just to be blunt, sometimes people shouldn't start ministries. Well, right, and um, the thing about it, that too, it, I don't like at Roxbury, one of the other things you'd have to do is show how it's going to fit into the overall programming and vision of the church. Yeah. And I, when I was in when I was in college, I had this vision for this huge ministry in New England, um, revitalizing New England, bringing revival to New England. And I wrote all these letters, all these other pastors, and I was going to lead this great organization. He's always wanted to be Jonathan Edwards. Um, but uh, this was before my Calvinist days, uh-huh. and I was going to lead this great revival. It's going to be incredible. It was really arrogant of yeah. me to. Just jump in and basically what I was telling all these pastors were, you guys are doing it wrong. Let me show you how to do it. And at that point, I was still a senior in Bible college. Um, not even a degree in hand. And I'm thankful for an older pastor that kind of took me aside and it's like, kind of slapped me upside the head and like, you know what? No. Or I had one other pastor, you know what? What if you waited five years? Mm-hmm. You're young. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, in five years, you'll still be in your 20s and you're still... What if you just waited five years to do this? Um, you know, uh, that kind of blew away. And then when I was, I was thinking, you know, maybe I should plant a church. Because again, in my mind, I had it, I just had it in my mind that everybody else was doing it wrong. And I was the only one who knew how to do it. I was just an arrogant little jerk. And I didn't realize, I didn't have the maturity enough to realize it. Yeah. You know, I just had all this knowledge thrown in my head and, and I wasn't wise enough to know how to handle it. Most guys who go through that yeah. Arrogant. So, um, I mean, we're dealing with Jesse not that way, right? Cannot right that exactly. Way right now, right? Talk about arrogance, that jerk. No, um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm glad some older people kind of took me aside, just like with some gentleness and kindness, basically said, Shut up and listen. Um, this is not a time for you to do that. And even right now in my life, um, you know, I'm not in a pastorate, I'm not preaching as much as I used to. And, and for this season of my life, that's a good thing. Oh, yeah. And part of that is because of some counsel I've, I've received that said, you know what, back off a little bit. You know, you've got a season with your kids and your family that you need yep. to focus on right now. Yep. Um, it's not that your your desire to do these other things is wrong. Mm-hmm. It just might not be the right time. It, yeah, we go through different seasons in our in our walk, in our lives, but also in our walk with Christ and with the church. And... You know, my season this year has been extremely focused on my wife. Yeah. But she's got rheumatoid arthritis. She's just now finally starting to able to do things. But there were two or three months there. I needed to be there for her because she couldn't even get out of bed and that sort of thing. Yeah. And I hope she's not listening because she really doesn't like me sharing about (laughs) her private stuff. Okay, so... Um, a good place to start, again, start with your church, start with your pastor. Yeah. I think that's the number one thing to do. Right. And he can, and, and if it is a good idea, you know, he can kind of guide and direct you to where to go with that. Yeah. All right, final question from Tim Reed. Tim is one of my former students back in Massachusetts, uh, although right now he's in Green Bay. Well, um, good for him. He better be a Packer fan, oh, not, you know, a, not Packer a Patriot fans, fan. In we did have, uh, <laughs> somehow, uh, I lost a question in here oh, yeah? uh, from uh, Ethan out there in, in St. Louis. Let's get to that real quick. Uh, yeah, 
Ethan out in St. Louis, sorry, somehow I just skipped over your question. I know you really wanted us to discuss this, speaking of Green Bay Packers. Uh, so sorry, Tim, I'm going to put you on hold. Ethan, bringing you in. Is there any possible way Aaron Rodgers could surpass the GOAT? Speaking of, of course, Tom Brady. Brady. No. no, there's nobody going to pass Tom Brady. All right, and you're, you're a Packers fan. And I'm a huge Packer fan, but how many Super Bowls has he won? Seven? I think six or seven. Six yeah. or seven. I mean, no, it's impossible. You you would have to be in a situation year in and year out. You'd, first of all, you'd have to play 15, 20 years. And then you'd have to be on a team that is going to always win. And it just, you know, I would say that Aaron Rodgers may be a mini goat or something like that. But even then, there's others that would have a better claim to that because there's others who won more than just one Super Bowl. Yeah. So, yeah, no. Um, and little known fact for some of our listeners, although I know I, no, if you've been listening, no, actually, back up, I haven't aired this interview yet. Um, but uh, Tom Brady once knew my name. I remember you. Yeah. We, somewhere, um, we, we've talked about that somewhere. We might have talked about it on, on the podcast I, I believe before, so. But. I exist in, in Tom Brady's world for like three seconds. Yeah. So anyway, just, I'm just not gonna cuss you out, right? <laughs> uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that for a future podcast okay. when we interview uh, Ted Cluck. Or not we, just me. Okay. Um, and I'll, I'll air that some other time. Ted Cluck, huh? Ted Cluck, oh, um, no. one of the guys behind the Gut Check podcast, oh. author, uh, uh, college professor, journalist professor, uh, mm. professor, out in. Um, Tennessee. I can't remember the name of the college on top of my head. Okay. Um, but anyway, okay. So let's get to Tim's question. So Tim is one of my former students, one of the very few people that can say that he had me as a teacher and a principal. Mm-hmm. Uh, graduating class that year of two. Anyway, um, so Tim was one of my students back in Massachusetts. Now he's up in Green Bay. Um, he has served as a missionary to China, and I think he's trying to go to Thailand at the moment. Uh, although right now he's taking some language classes, he's going to be hanging out in Green Bay for a little while. But anyway, Tim asked, would you consider 2020 uh, through 2021 a traumatic year, I think about the school year, uh, what experiences can you share about helping people with trauma, PTSD, or in general, life's hurts? Would love to hear about uh, experiences from the educational and ministry context of you both. Uh, so Ray actually wants to hear from you too. Wow. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so he just doesn't know me, I guess. Ah, apparently, yeah. Anyway, so would you consider this past year traumatic? Well, with with COVID. Yeah. I, I, yeah, pretty much so. Though I think that I've seen a lot of resilience from people. Yes. Um, you know, like I said, my personal ministry focus has been my wife, but not because of COVID as much as because of uh, the arthritis that's been wrecking her body and whatnot. Um, you know, I've, so I've just not, I've not had that without being a, you know, a pastor currently. Um, you know, I, I do my writing and stuff and I don't know, I don't get a whole lot of interaction with people on Facebook on something like this. Breaking news. Uh-huh. Sorry. No. I'm looking at Facebook. As we are talking, because, you know, you're boring me, so I'm just... Uh, no. 
Uh, but I got to so, on, on Ethan's comment about the question about Aaron Rodgers, my wife just responded. Yeah? She's a huge Packers fan. Mm-hmm. And she sent this little meme of some little girl crushing a soda can. And all I can say is, I think this means my wife wants me to be drinking more soda. <laughs> well, that, that, that's definitely a postmodern. That's where I'm going that. with all of this. Okay, anyway. Um, yeah, I'd agree with you. You that broke it, in on me for that? I did. You know, it's the Raining in Ray podcast. And <laughs> so I just thought it's a little irreverent and just throwing that out there. Okay. All right. So anyway, uh, 2020, uh, 2021. Yeah, it's been a very difficult year. Yeah, for um, you it has been. And you know, the school it has been. From an educational standpoint, I have seen students suffer through this. Mm-hmm. Um, not just, I mean, I, no one likes to wear masks, and I'm not going to get into that debate, but I think the bigger issue has been isolation. Mm. We've had to go virtual a couple of times. I mean, all of last year, uh, the end of last year from March on, March, April, May, were all virtual. And I could see the students were suffering from that. Um, and I could see depression with some of them. I could just see a throwing in the towel. They're not trying as hard. Um, and so I've really tried to be a lot more relational this year than I have in the past. Um, that's even when we that's virtual, not easy for you. No. Um, <laughs> so I applaud your efforts. Yeah. When we, got, when we went virtual, I always had what I call my morning meeting. Um, where I'd invite, I'd just throw out a Zoom link. I said, you know, we're not gonna have, we don't have an agenda. This isn't a lesson, I just want you guys to chat. And so some of these kids, I knew they woke up early just to get on this Zoom call and chat with their friends that they couldn't mm-hmm. see. Um, That's good. And so. That was a good thought. Yeah, every once in a while I have a good thought, believe me. Yeah, I, well, I feel the same about mine. Uh, so, yeah, I, I've really had to work hard to be relational. There are a lot of kids um, who this whole thing, and some of these kids, are not, it's not even about relationships, it's about fear, mm-hmm. um, that fear of death. Mm-hmm. And so I've had to think more about salvation while, while they're thinking about death, what better way to think, you know, hey, well, what if, yeah. worst case scenario. Um, and so some of these kids have really need a shot in the arm. Oh, yeah. A Baptist would eat that up. Yeah. <laughs> shot in the arm, yeah. They really need a vaccination is what they need. But anyway, um, and I'm, I'm hearing people deleting the podcast right now. Send your hate mail to Ray Jewell at, no. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I really haven't dealt with PTSD too much. Um, but I'll tell you, kids with trauma, um, I, I can relate to that on a personal level. Having adopted four boys, um, I'm not going to get into all the details there, but they still struggle with trauma, um, whether it's nightmares or um, acting out, lashing out at times. Mm-hmm. And some of these kids, they just they just need to be loved. Uh, I don't have a great psychological, um, you know, strategy to, to other than just love on them and. Um, listen to what they have to say and be as relational as possible is what I've tried to do. Um, and sometimes I've seen that that be a blessing to students. I've had parents call me and say, hey, you know, you did this and I think it really helped. Um, and sometimes the parents themselves are struggling with this as well. Oh, yeah. So um, yeah. it's really been a difficult year. I don't have great advice there. 
Um, other than I, you know, I just try to be as loving as possible, yeah. which isn't natural for me. No. Um, I'm a very sarcastic person, even with the students, and uh, we oh, like to joke then, around. You know, I mean, if I didn't pick on people, then that I would that would be a sign that I don't love them. Well, we wouldn't be friends. Well, you and I, well, we have to do it. Yeah. Um, that's all. That is the insult. Is the basis of our friendship. It is. Uh, so, yeah. Um, I don't know if that 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 uh, answers your question, Tim. Um, but I don't want to get into too many personal experiences. I do know I have students who listen to the podcast from time to time. Yeah, I um, would guess. Yeah, and so I don't want to get into yeah, too much of that. But you're good. Um, all right. Well, that wraps up another reigning in ring. So keep the questions coming. I thought we've had some, the past three episodes, we've had some really great questions. And so keep those coming. You can email us at basicbiblepodcast at gmail.com or send us a tweet at uh, basicbiblecast or Instagram, same thing. Join the Facebook group. Um, any of those things, shoot us your questions. We'd love to talk about it on our, on our next episode. So uh, until next time, have a great rest of your week.